Hi, welcome to Cowgirl Artists of America's podcast, a podcast dedicated to cowgirl artists. I'm your host, Megan Wimberly, and today we talk with Lisa Studahar from Art of the West magazine about her experiences being a juror for the Wildflowers show. I know that when I've gotten the opportunity to listen to the experience of jurors on the other side of the art show, it has been really helpful for me. I hope that you enjoy this episode and find it useful. Okay, I am here with Lisa Studahar from Art of the West magazine, and she was one of our jurors in the Wildflowers exhibition. So thank you for being here, Lisa. Happy to be here. You just flew in from Minneapolis yeah, to Fort Worth. Lisa's here also for the Cowgirl Gathering because the Art of the West magazine has sponsored some of our prizes, and so she's coming down to see the work, and we're so excited that have you here this year and thank you for the generous support and prizes for our show of course happy to do it so we wanted to give artists who applied to wildflowers a little bit of a behind the scenes look about what goes into the jury process because artists can get a little upset or disappointed or really have their confidence affected when they don't get into a show and those of us who have been on the back end understand that it's not quite so cut and dry. And so I think it's a good idea to give artists an idea of that back end. So thank you for offering to do that from your perspective. Of course. Yes. And it's just my humble perspective, but, and this was a little bit different from other shows. So I'll give some examples from this show and then maybe things that take place at other shows and all of them, first of all, to get in is, is a big deal. And then you know, to win the prizes are a big deal. And some people are even just disappointed if they don't win first or second place or something like that. And it's really in the beholder of the judge. So the next show could have completely different judges, completely different perspective, and a completely different set of people who get in and also end up winning prizes if there's prizes to be won. Yeah, I, you know, because I entered my work, so I couldn't see who scored the work how. George was the only one who had access to that, but I could see how artwork fared in the show. And it was really interesting to me because some of my favorite artists that are my personal favorites, who I think are fantastic, did not score very well in the Mm -hmm. show. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I did share that with people on Instagram because I think it's such an important thing because had I been a juror in the show they would have scored really well whereas for this particular set of jurors it just wasn't what appealed to them right and I've seen that too in other shows as well where you know you've got super talented artists and they don't get in a show and I'm always surprised when I hear from artists who call me and talk to me like I didn't get in this show and you know it's surprising but it's all very subjective And the art is so beautiful and it's really worthwhile to just keep working really hard at what you do and know that what you're doing is your best work. And if you're happy with your work, it will be seen, whether it's a piece that sells, whether it gets in a show, whether it wins a show, eventually, you know, if it's what you're most proud about and you're giving it your best effort, you know, you will be rewarded. 
And it just doesn't happen every time. So it's very frustrating. I'm sure it's very frustrating to judge because there's so much good work. And if there's a number cut off, thank goodness, like I couldn't see how the scores compilated and which pieces that I really truly loved did or didn't get in based on the fact that it was, you know, a few of us that put in, in our scores for the competition. Yeah, for sure. So with a group of jurors, it is interesting because George and I have talked about that. Um, George went over at Western Gallery, who hosted this show this year. He and I talked about how when you have multiple jurors, sometimes if they have very differing perspectives, it's almost like the scores get brought more to the center. And so maybe had a particular juror been the only one, something that would have just stolen the show actually was reduced in its score because the other jurors scores were competing against it. Exactly. I mean, in their heart, they could, one person may love bright color and contemporary more certain types of brush strokes or, you know, certain mediums better than others. And so they're gravitating towards that and their score will reflect that. And if another juror was judging it, it'd be completely different because they may be more traditional in the base so or you know drawn more towards something else so that it's really hard because I just really want artists to know that if keep doing it and also any comments are good comments whether it's constructive criticism or you know we all get a high when somebody tells us mm -hmm. they love our work and what they love about the work but it's also nice to hear you know, what could I have done better for the next one? I talked to artists all the time and some of them who I think are, you know, at the peak, they're, they're the top, top, right? In my opinion. And they're still out trying to get help from other artists to better their craft, or they may be starting to dabble in some other medium or, you know, so or they may feel like they lost their edge for a moment and how can they get that back? So really, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're always still striving for that next level. Yeah, for sure. And you're always like, it's really good to be confident and to not lose your confidence and to keep going, but to never get to the point where you just feel entitled to something because, you know, just because you've gotten in a show before doesn't mean you're going to get into it the next year. And just because you are at the top of your game doesn't mean you're going to get into every show or every gallery. That's just not how it works. Or if your images get in and you've always sold out and all of a sudden you sell nothing. Mm -hmm. That happened to an artist that I met this year. And she just said, wow, I'm going to have a piece of humble pie here. This, yeah. I, now I, she goes, actually, I'm learning from this because I know how other artists feel now. Yeah. Because my pieces in the past have sold. Yeah. And so that, you know, was an eye opener to me too, that even people we may consider are always selling everything, aren't always selling everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of it's luck having the right collectors there when they're purchasing. You How know. people feel about the economy. I mean, it's for art, arts are the first ones that get hit. If people start feeling iffy about it, the art is the first thing to take a hit. And so, yeah, there's just so many things that go into that. 
for you, what were some things that really like pieces that maybe really stuck out to you? What were the types of, or what were things? Well, and first I want to talk about, you talked about how some jurors may be more drawn to a certain style or a certain media. And we do with, with all of our shows that we've done so far, we have done this and not that we would do it every time because sometimes curatorial decisions are important, but to try to minimize some of that, we do give our jurors guidelines of you may have a preference for traditional work, but you're judging the contemporary work on its own merit. Correct. Yeah. Because we believe that all of that work is really valid for our history of our culture and for what, what we're trying to portray. So we do that. But was there a piece that really stuck out in your mind as one of the pieces that you just really loved? Well, it kind of went by category. And I honestly, I can't name the piece off the top of my head, but I, and it was a while back, but I do recall there were two or three pieces that I thought, gosh, if I had to pick between these, I don't know if I could, you know, so I guess they were my top three in what was submitted. I think in hindsight, I would have broken it into categories. So I would have liked to have picked my top photography, my top sculpture, you know, kind of broken it out that way, oil, so that each of those categories get the best scores that they can get Mm -hmm. instead of putting them all up against each other. Mm -hmm. I I really think, you know, that would be my advice for another show Mm -hmm. is to maybe categorize them so that they're all represented. I mean, they were all represented, but it would have been a lot easier for me to see all the sculpture Mm -hmm. and not be judging sculpture against paintings. Yeah. And and photography, which that can be hard, too, because sometimes you only have one photographer or one sculptor. So it's kind of complex on the back end for setting it up. But it can be really hard to score those things against each other when you're looking at what what is your your favorite or what really stands out. Do you remember like what one of your favorite pieces looked like? Well, I remember in the photography category, in my mind, there were And that's something, you know, we are starting to really pay attention to more. And as Art of the West, that's a fine art. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't always, you know, put that in the same category. It's a gift to be able to Mm -hmm. capture these images. And it's very difficult. So I remember there were a couple pieces that I just kind of blew me away. Like, how did they capture that on film? Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And I think for me, that's a really hard question for me because there were pieces that, you know, me personally, you know, as you look through, you go, that's what I want hanging on my wall. Uh And then you look and you go, that's a really great piece because I can see how difficult that was. Mm -hmm. And certain pieces, lighting is always really important to me to get true, true lighting and you know, anatomy of the animals and people, their hands, mm-hmm. how do they look, you know, that type of thing. Those are things I'm looking at, like, is that what it really looks like? Or is it not, if it's off, you mm-hmm. know, if a nose is wrong on a horse, it kind of throws the whole image off, mm-hmm. even if it's well done. Mm-hmm, for so sure. I can't narrow down into one piece. Yeah. 
Okay, y'all, I want to pause for just a second and tell you about an incredible opportunity with our sister organization, Cowgirls with Cameras. The next workshop they have coming up is the Cottonwood Ranch Equine Photography Experience, which takes place in the beautiful mountains of northern Nevada and is held in August. This workshop is full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, and cowgirls, all at a fifth-generation working ranch that features all aspects of the Western lifestyle. Y'all, this is going to be a gold mine for great photos. This workshop is led by Phyllis Burchett, Kim Beer, and Kara Taylor Swift, and they are so talented, and I know that you'll love them just as much as me. Also, with a maximum of 12 photographers, that means that there is one leader for every four photographers, so you get a personal learning experience. One-on-one -on -one photography mentorships are also included before and after the event so that you can achieve your personal photography goals. This event is geared towards every level of photographer from beginning to advanced with opportunities to grow your skills in a supportive environment focused on collaboration and fellowship. You can join Cowgirls with Cameras to grow your photographic vision, create a solid foundation as an artist, and elevate your photography skills. Check out this opportunity at cowgirlswithcameras.com events. So you're really drawn to the way an artist portrays light, it sounds like, and then anatomical accuracy is something that really sticks out to you. Right. And even in contemporary, where some of that may not be, you know, it may not look like a, a photograph painting, mm -hmm. but the anatomy still has to make sense. Right. Unless it's abstract. Yeah. That's a different thing. But if, if they're still trying to, you know, create a piece that looks... I mean, you know, it's a buffalo, you know what a buffalo looks like. And yes, it's abstract, but it really has that wonderful mm -hmm. feature and ties in the color and the lighting and the way the animal's looking, you know. You can't use abstract or contemporary work as a way to get around bad anatomy. I mean, there are ways to, you know, like, right. there are ways to like elongate I mean, the thing that's popping into my head, which is totally not Western, but Salvador Dali, you know, those right. horses and the elephants with their really long legs, and he did it on purpose. And that's probably not going to appeal to a lot of people listening, but he did it on purpose in a way that made sense. And actually, you know, Alexa Bagno, Alexi right. Bagno, who's at this show right now at the Cowgirl Gathering, she has very abstract horses, but right. she's done the shape well and the color well. And you can't do that and just be like, oh, I'm just being a free for like, no, the composition has to be there. Right. And the intent. It's really mm -hmm. the intent. If you can feel the intent of the artist, mm -hmm. that's a good painting. Right. I mean, Dolly, he's got a, there's an intent yeah. to why he painted, how he mm -hmm. painted. And you feel that whether you are drawn to contemporary, you, you know, that's a good piece mm -hmm. and you know, his style. Yeah. The execution, the intent, and then the execution of Correct. the intent. Yeah. Correct. And, and for that, that has to come out. It has mm -hmm. to be translated onto that, into mm -hmm. that media. So if you're trying to do a painting that is very real to life, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you're not quite carrying it out, then you can, you can read that, uh -huh. you know, yeah. and, and different mediums do different things. So it's a tough job judging. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. And so my advice is to keep doing what you're doing. And like I said, if you're happy with your work and you're feeling like it's really 
that's the that's the piece. And yep, it really turned out the way I wanted it to turn out. Then you've got your piece. Mm-hmm. If if something's in your gut is telling you it's not quite there, or you're standing back and you're going, hmm, or you're reflected in a mirror and you're not seeing what you see when you look at it while you're painting, then it might need tweaking. Mm-hmm. There might be something about it that, you know, because a judge will see that. Yeah. And whenever you do have that piece that you know is that piece, when it doesn't get in, you know it's still good. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely, yeah. there's it, so much good art that. Right. And some, and then also, you know, it's interesting always on that because with CGA, we're always really focused on educating people. And it is very interesting because you don't know what you don't know when you don't know it. And what I mean is like when I first started painting with my bright colors and I would go to shows and maybe that wouldn't sell very good, or I applied for Women Artists of the West when I was first starting and I didn't get in. And at the time I remember being disappointed and thinking, why didn't I get in? And my work's good. And now I look back at that and it was an important stage in my progress. Like I had to go through that. I did not deserve to get in, even though I thought I did at that moment. And I applied to Women Arts of the West three times before I got in. Mm-hmm. And you can't just the whenever, even when you're feeling confident about what you're doing, there's still always room to hone your skills or to consider your composition. There's always something to learn. And so sometimes there's this like fine balance from the artist side of like, when do you take that feedback, you know? And so sometimes when you have that piece and you know, it's that piece, it doesn't matter. Somebody could come up to you and be like, that is a piece of junk. And you'd be like, okay, it's not for you. And it doesn't bother you at all because you know, you're confident that that piece is exactly what you were going for. Mm -hmm. But there's other times whenever we don't get into something and, and there's constructive criticism and, and CGA does try to often give feedback to artists when we can, like with signature member and stuff, what the jury sees. And it doesn't mean the work isn't good. Signature member is very hard to get into. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the work isn't good, but maybe there's some fine tuning or maybe you aren't there yet. Maybe you still are more at that intermediate level. And this is a really, really high level to get into. And so it's not like there's a hard, fast rule, but there is a time for you to feel confident in your work, no matter what people say. And then there's a time also to be able to say, oh, I can improve this and I can take this feedback and I can learn from it. Is there anything that you think that we haven't talked about from this side of things? No, I I think we've kind of, in my opinion, covered at least how I approached it, other jurors, how they've approached either when they're jurying a a show where they're trying to find the the top top pieces within the show once they have been selected or just to get in a show i mean i think i think we've kind of covered that it's it is very personal so yeah. know that that's why shows rotate who they have jurying mm-hmm. because it really changes the outlook it of does. the show yeah, it changes it a lot. I think the one thing I want to want to add to this from the educational side, what's really important, there are two things that are really important. And the first is that you don't stop because we have seen artists get kind of like get so their self-esteem is affected so much that they stop painting. And that is tragic. We've literally hired a life coach before 
to teach our members how to deal with rejection because it is tragic when an artist stops painting because they got a rejection. I had a year and this was like a couple years ago where I'm still really confident about my work and I did not get into a single thing. And if I would have let that affect me, I would have had missed most successful year I had. And so you just, it's not personal. And every artist, you know, who is big has had more rejections than you can possibly imagine. And the second thing that I think is really important is that you have got to remain professional because when you don't get in and you like throw a fit in public or you start Mm -hmm. bad mouthing the organization or Mm -hmm. the organizers or the show or whatever it is, ultimately it comes back looking really bad on you. And it affects, you know, if uh, somebody has an art show and an artist you know, acts really unprofessional, they're going to remember that. And it can affect, it just affects your reputation. And you don't want the reputation of that artist that's just super negative or always complaining or, or, or entitled, you know, because Mm -hmm. again, you're not going to get into every single show. Right. Right. And it's, and to the other artists who get in being gracious to them, you know, because we're all a big community and, and just, you know, being a, a positive member of of our of our for cga of our community but also like just as the community at large you know with the other artists and it's such a small community and and just remember that every single thing that you do affects your reputation and how can you make sure that you're all you're the artist that people think of that artist is pro you want to be the pro artist correct that's well said i agree yeah so well, <laughs> we're both saying thank you to each other. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank Can't you for waiting being to here. be at the show tomorrow. Yeah, and and a huge, huge thank you to Art of the West magazine. First of all, for putting together such a wonderful magazine that has so many beautiful things we get to look at and does such a great job with promoting artisan shows, but also for the support of CGA and our shows and the support of any other art show that y'all do because you do a lot for the art community and it's it's important and, and I appreciate it personally. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Lisa Studahar talking about what it's like to be a juror. I hope this episode gave you more insight and leaves you with more enthusiasm applying for your next show. Remember, there are lots of ways to stay in touch with CGA. One of the best ones is to follow us on Instagram at Cowgirl Artists of America. We'll talk to you soon.